This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with your host, Mark Schlereth. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers Sportsbook and Dude Wipes. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Sing of Truth Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Mark Schler, alongside co-host Mike Evans, Millennial Ben, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. By the way, eight and two against the spread uh, in the playoffs right now. So I'm cruising. Uh, no questions asked. Check it out at betrivers.com. Also, uh, want to thank our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at. Um, at DudeWipesDudeProducts.com. Um, make sure you hit the promo code STINK15. Also, stinking good green chili for your uh, big game party. If you want to uh, order some green chili, some queso dip, stinkinggood.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Doing great. Looking forward to championship weekend, but um, there's another season in the NFL, you know. What? And that's the head coaching search and filling vacancy season. Yes. And it's starting to to heat up, isn't it? It's starting to take root and um you know it's always funny because as soon as the first domino falls, first the first guy gets hired, then it starts, you know, the the teams start to panic. The teams start to go, "Uh-oh." You know, it's like a game of what do you call that game where you the musical chairs game, right? You don't want to be the guy that, you know, falls on the ground without a chair at the end of the day. And so once one guy gets hired, because you're all setting up these second interviews and third and all that stuff, and this morning, the big one dropped. It was in Denver where they hire Nathaniel Hackett. And soon after that, Chicago hires their guy and Eberflus, the D coordinator from Indianapolis. And uh, all you can do is expect this thing to continue to go now. It's just going to speed up. Well, what do you think about that first domino, Hackett? To the Broncos. Well, I think obviously, you know, it opens up the speculation. Hackett's an offensive guy. Remember, his father Paul coached in the league forever, right? So he grew up around. He grew up around the NFL. Um, there was a report that he grew up as a kid. He was playing a game. Uh, uh, I, I for some, memory, memory with with, uh, with Joe Montana for crying out loud. So this guy has grown up in NFL locker rooms. He really understands it. Um, from all accounts of people that I've talked to, uh, articles that I've read, he's an incredible guy, offensive mind, but presents it in a way that's entertaining, that's fun, that's engaging, um, and, and, and brings energy. And that's exactly what the Broncos organization needs after the last two hires 
where this organization just felt stale. It felt old. Uh, it felt like it lacked direction. Um, and I think that's what their general manager, George Payton, has done in this Nathaniel Hackett hire. So that's part of it. That's why you hired him. And I think they went wide open in this thing. Like, hey, man, we are, we've are we got guys that we're targeting, but we're just waiting to be blown away. Just blow us away. And guess what? They got blown away. Apparently, Nathaniel Hackett blew them away in the interview process with his knowledge, with his enthusiasm, with his leadership, with his philosophy, with his identity, blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't hurt that you can connect all the dots to Aaron Rodgers and even possibly Devontae Adams. So I think that helps quite a bit, too. Yeah, I I don't think you, you, can, you can help but notice that. I just wonder if this is a good hire if you're then going to tell me that Aaron Rodgers isn't leaving Green Bay or isn't coming to Denver, then just Nathaniel Hackett on his own. One thing that's clear, you've talked about this before, more and more teams, owners, general managers are looking for guys that bring a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Because you travel around the NFL, you go into a lot of different buildings, you pick up on a lot of different vibes. Right. With the teams that you you cover, mm-hmm. does it matter? Oh, I don't think there's any question. It matters. I think that it's like it. You know, it's like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Mike. Oh, this ought to be good. Yeah, you know, I mean, you got to whistle while you work. <laughs> you you got to. It, it's got to be fun. And you know what? That's good. That's yeah. good. That's one of your better ones. I right. like it. Yeah, yeah I, I just. I, I think that when it comes to energy and it comes to enthusiasm, like the job is tough, man. There's a ton of pressure from a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint. And I always used to do this with Mike Shanahan when I played in Denver. Because sometimes, you know, Mike is, you know, Mike, he's kind of the ultimate grinder, you know. And every now and again, I'd pull him aside and go, you know, it's got to be fun. Got to be fun, man. It's it's an arduous task, both mentally and physically. Got to be fun. Got to have a good time. And being fun doesn't mean you're not working hard. Doesn't mean you're not prepping hard. Doesn't mean you're not studying. It just feels like it lightens the load. And guys that bring that kind of energy into a facility, like your facility is better for it. And, you know, I always said this. The first time I ever met with Sean McVay, when he became the first-time head coach of the Rams, he walked into that meeting room, dude, and that meeting room lit up. He just brought energy and excitement and football knowledge. And you could tell, man, he's a teacher. He's just, I mean, he's in it. And... He he left, and I go. You know, there's there's two types of people in the world. There's people that energize a room when they walk into it, and there's types of people that energize a room when they walk out of it. And you want a coach that walks into that meeting room that energizes it, man. He comes in there and he presents things away that makes you think and that keeps you on your toes. And then all of a sudden he's got a, you know, a piece of film that's, that's awesome. And it's funny. And it's, you know, and, the, and he's got these, he's got these different analogies to give to you, to make you think. And he, and he's explaining the game, not just 
This is what you do, but this is why we do it. This is how we do it. This is what we're going to do. And this is why it's going to benefit us. They give you the totality of what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to do. So guys grow in their depth of knowledge and their depth of understanding of what we're trying to do as a group, as an offense, as a defense like that to me, because my guys want to be better. All guys want to know is that you're helping me become better. And even if you grind on me a little bit, even if you, even if you, you're hard on me, even if you're coaching me hard, man, that's all right. As long as I'm getting better and I know that's the intention. What's the old saying in the NFL? Guys don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's awesome. I never, honestly, I'd never heard that one before. That that's awesome. Yeah, and and really, that's what it comes down to. So the energy is just important. You know, yeah. people will say, "Well, what about Bill Belichick?" Hey, man, when you meet with Bill Belichick as a team, or you meet with Bill Belichick one on one, like I had the opportunity to do this year, dude, it was awesome. It was. I mean, he came in, man, big grin on his face. We're gonna talk football. Oh, I can't even picture. Yeah. I can't even imagine it. Yeah, and you know, he told me he looked straight across from me. You know, we we said our obligatory hellos, and he just looked at me, smiled, and goes, "We've had some epic bleeping battles, haven't we?" Because he was the, the yeah. D coordinator with the Giants when I was playing with the Skins back yeah. in the day, and then we just reminisced about those games and the physical battles and like what the defensive game plan was to 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 stop us as an offense and and it was just it like this amazing football conversation. So you've used this word before and and I, I think it fits here in this conversation because I know that the Nathaniel Hackett and some maybe some of these other hires will be will be sort of advertised spun as the idea that you know we're getting we're getting a high energy mm-hmm. guy. I don't know if if it's energy that matters as much as authentic authenticity that whether it's cracking jokes or whether it's mm-hmm. um y- you know bringing an energy that is hey I really am passionate about football and I want to share that with you guys today right mm-hmm. right as long as the players sitting in that room feel a level of authenticity is, is that what matters most because you can be Mr. high energy guy Right, but if there's a sense that wow, this this guy's kind of fake, you know, he's kind of pouring it on a little thick yeah. here. But as long as it's authentic, and you mentioned Belichick, I, I I think part of the reason why so many of his his coaching tree assistants have failed in the NFL is they try to be Belichick, yeah, rather than being themselves. I don't think there's any question about that. I think that's been the biggest issue with um, you know his assistants that have gone on to be head coaches is that's where they fail. They fail the 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 it's a pass fail class, authenticity. You either are or you're not. And as soon as your players like players are interesting. Players BS meters are I mean spot on. Like your your football, your football knowledge is different than, you know, your book smart. Your some guys don't articulate well, well, but they're incredibly intelligent, right? And and especially in a football kind of acumen standpoint, they're incredible. Um, but I, I one thing that I think nobody would disagree with me that's ever been around the NFL, their ability to sniff out baloney 
is pretty high. <laughs> like, their horse sense. They know the guys who are full of crap. They know the guys who can play. They know the coaches that are in over their heads. They, I mean, it is like, a, you know, it's it's like sharks. You know, they always say that sharks can smell blood from a mile away, that type of thing. And I don't know that, that that's true. But there is a certain sharks in the water aspect to guys that are unauthentic. And as soon as you smell that blood of lack of authenticity, guys just go tune. I mean, they'll eat you up. They'll tune you out. They'll be like, whatever, dude. Yeah, you're baloney. You're full of it. Like, and and players have more than more than more than most people I've been around, players seem to have a real good sense very quickly of what a guy is and what a guy isn't. And so even in you know, even in the interview process, you heard the stories of Nathaniel Hackett talking about him and, you know, his quarterback coach, Luke Getze, doing an interview in, uh, you know, doing an interview together in Step Brothers, uh, in the Step Brothers vein, you know, joking around and having a good time. And, um, and you know, Aaron Rodgers just is is over the moon about, how he is and how he presents and how much fun he is and how funny he is, but but also just his football knowledge. So I think all those things are are a big plus there. Uh, some other hires, at least as we're we're here talking, the the Bears go with a defensive guy in Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Right. Does that kind of surprise you as seen as how they, they did draft Justin Fields and it, it seems like the movement in the NFL is to take your young quarterback that you've invested a lot in, that you project to be your your franchise guy and pair him with uh, an offensive-minded head coach? Yeah, you know, I think one thing about the Chicago Bears, um, when you look at them, their ability to play defense they're, the players they have on the defensive side of the ball, they're pretty damn good there. Um, and maybe that's the philosophy that they've had here in Denver for the last couple of years. We've spent all the money on the defensive side of the ball. Let's make sure we handle that part of this. Let's make sure that we put a defense out there that um, can overcome some of the offensive growth that we're going to absolutely, you know, you're, you're absolutely going to have that as you're grooming Justin Fields and as you're teaching him the game. Listen, Justin Fields was not ready for prime time. And, you know, and and I, I'm a big Matt Nagy fan, but, you know, Matt Nagy essentially had to, had to take a kid that wasn't ready for prime time. And, and this is not just me or this is not Matt Nagy telling me this. Matt Nagy was nothing but complimentary when I talked to him multiple times about Justin Fields. He praise he showered the kid with praise this is justin field saying dude this game moves fast it was it moved really fast for me early and there's a huge adjustment period going into that you can find that i mean it's plastered all over the place so um you know i i think that maybe that's the kind of thought process behind this i've only met with matt eberflus one time i've done i think one colts game and met with him one time and he's an intelligent dude. He's a well thought out dude. He's a very articulate guy. 
very buttoned up guy. Um, and and so you know if that's what you're looking for there, I guess I guess that's the direction they go in. All right. And this one I think is is really surprising. Dan Quinn telling teams that he's staying put with Dallas. And th- there's the part of me that's like this is like this is the the graceful resignation before you get fired type thing. I, was Dan Quinn going to be offered a job? Um, and instead of the embarrassment of not being offered a job, he just kind of proactive comes out and says, ah, "I've just had to stay with the Cowboys." I think. I know you like that's a good question. I think Dan Quinn was going to get a job, but I think that Dan Quinn has got enough juice and enough clout in this business to understand. I'm not going somewhere that's not committed to winning, that's not going to provide me an opportunity to win from an ownership standpoint, and I'm not going somewhere that doesn't have a quarterback. And so I think if you start to look at the options that you have and you're looking at, hey, Jacksonville, hey, you know, if it's Miami, hey, New York Giants, and you're looking at going, is my situation better going back to a supremely talented defense that has Demarcus Lawrence, that has Randy Gregory, that has, um, uh, what's the kid's name inside, Odigiwasu or whatever his name is, um, that has a Micah Parsons, that has a Van Der Esch, that has, you know, a great secondary. Why would I not go back to Dallas and continue to groom that defense with a quarterback? And who knows? I'm good friends with Mike McCarthy, but if Mike McCarthy gets let go, am I in line? to take over the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I, I kind of understand that. If you know, because I think the one place that's the most ready-made place to win, especially if Aaron Rodgers decides to leave Green Bay, is Minnesota. And if you knew you weren't the front-runner in Minnesota, like, if you know that based upon, hey, they're going to hire, did they hire a GM in Minnesota, a new GM in Minnesota? They did. I think they hired they did. a Cleveland guy, right? Yep. Um, so if you know that that guy has a lean toward an offensive coach or whatever, wherever his, because they just came off a defensive coordinator type guy in Mike Zimmer, and you know, they're going offensive analytics, young guy, you just say, that's the one place I really have a chance to win. And when I do this the second time around, man, I want to win a championship. I want to have that, like that to me is going the places that I'm going to get offered an opportunity in, I don't think they're ready to win. And how long do, do I last in those situations when I've got a ready-made playoff team that I'm coaching right now? I think I think those are the decisions. And you make those decisions as an older coach, or you know, he's 52. Great. I mean, you talk about salt of the earth, great energy guy. I love him. I just I love him. But you want to go somewhere. I had this, you know, I had this conversation a couple years ago with Mike Shanahan. And this is right after, you know, he he got done coaching in Washington. And I said, Would you go, would you go back? And he goes, Stink, you know, I love the grind. I love the grind. I just love it. And he does, man. The guy is the guy is ridiculous. 
just ridiculous. The way he studies film and, I mean, one, he's a camel. That dude can hold his piss for eight hours. <laughs> it's, un, it's unbelievable. And I know some of your bodily habits. That, yeah. that does not sync up with no, Coach Shanahan. No, I mean, that dude could just be like drinking coffee all day long and watch film for eight straight hours and not have to pee. <laughs> it's got to like, be part of how you do it. It's got to be. It's got to be a prerequisite to being a coach, right? I, 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 you got to be able to hold your water. Yeah, I don't know how you hold your water. So, I mean, <laughs> the guy's amazing. I've talked to, I've had conversations with Jimmy Garoppolo about this topic. It's like the guy's unreal. Um, and, and so he loves the grind, but he was like, listen, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to go anywhere that doesn't have ownership that's committed to winning, that doesn't have a quarterback that can play. I'm just not. And I think that's where Dan, I think that's where Dan Quinn finds himself. All right. So those are the teams that are making moves to try to get back to being a playoff contender. Right. Then there are the teams that are one step away from going to the Super Bowl. Let's get to the matchups. We'll uh, we'll start with the the AFC game. You got Cincinnati, the dark horse, the Cinderella, going up against mighty Kansas City, trying to go back to the Super Bowl for the third straight year. Any chance? Any chance after that game for the ages last week that somehow Kansas City may be a little flat in this one? No chance. No chance. Zero chance. And and I think part of it is because they played in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago and lost. And in a game that, come on, they gave up a – I think they gave up a kick return. They gave up a couple of broken – like a, a broken coverage where – where Kansas City was playing Palms, and to their credit, uh, Cincinnati motioned into a two-by-two formation, and the inside guy, when you're playing Palms, you're really making a decision. You don't know what coverage you're playing. Palms is, or Deuce, they, they, they several things, is basically you're making a decision based on the route combination, so you're reading both, both the safety and the corner are reading number two. And if number two runs an outbreaking route, a stick route at about six yards, it turns to cover two. If he releases vertically, it turns to quarters. And so you're backpedaling reading number two. And to Cincinnati's credit, they ran that that inside route was a stick route at about seven and a half, eight yards. And one guy played quarters and another guy played cover two. And uh, and Jamar Chase ran down the sideline and just an easy throw from Joe Burrow, and that was another one of those 60-yard touchdowns. Listen, they made a couple of mistakes along the way. They built up, I think, a you know a 14-point lead. Cincinnati reeled them back in, da-da-da-da-da, on and on it goes. They lost that game in Cincinnati. Mike, I personally, I don't think this game's going to be close. You can't tell me you can give up nine sacks and win a game. Well, I just celebrated the 30-year reunion of Super Bowl twenty six, Washington versus Buffalo, and that team. In 19 games that season, we gave up nine sacks. In 19 games with a statue in Mark Rippon at quarterback. How do you give up 19 or nine sacks in a game? Like, and win it, and that's a testament to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is just all balls. That dude is incredible. I'll give him tip of the cap. Guy's awesome. But 
there is, I think this is a double digit 14 point, 10 to 14 point loss for Cincinnati. I think they have, I think they've risen to the level of their incompetence. And I think Kansas City is going to take care of business and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I think it's, a, like I said, 10 to 14 points. Yeah. All right. So Kansas City is a seven point favorite. I assume you're taking the Chiefs minus the points. Taking I, the Chiefs, giving the points, yeah, baby. Yeah, can't, can't argue with that. By the way, in that last game, Joe Burrow against the Chiefs, 30 of 39 for 446 yards. Yeah. Jamar Chase had 266 yards receiving. So Wow. Certainly a uh, focus there for the uh, Chiefs. Any 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 uh, any crowning high they feel after the, uh, the Bills game, I guess all you have to do is roll the tape and – Watch Jamar Chase slicing and dicing yeah. you, and that'll that'll probably get you right back focused on the the task get, at get hand. Get fired up! All right, the NFC game. It's the it's the it's the I was gonna say the rubber match. It's not. It's the mm. it's the it's the third go around for San Francisco and the Rams. But San Francisco's won both of them this year. In fact, they've won what six in a row. Six in a row. Yeah. Against the Rams. Before I guess we look ahead, that explain that. Because you're you're familiar with both teams, you've worked both teams. How is it that this San Francisco Rams matchup favors San Francisco so much? What is it about the matchup? Well, I just think that one. I mean, it's kind of a sensei and uh, and uh, and you know grasshopper situation where Kyle Shanahan is the sensei. He was the OC in uh, Washington when Sean McVay was the tight ends coach, and you know. I think I think Kyle Shanahan one just really understands Sean McVay, really understands that offense and and that football team. I think the matchup, the way they play defense, understanding the weaknesses, understanding the strengths, understanding what, um, like there's nobody that understands that offense and where you're trying to attack people better than than Kyle Shanahan and how you're trying to attack people. And so I think he does a great job of relaying that to his defensive coaches. Because when you talk to Kyle Shanahan, or you watch Kyle Shanahan in a meeting, dude is coaching every position. I mean, it's it's unreal, Mike. I mean, unreal. Coaching special teams. Like, hey, on this block, well, I want yeah, – I mean, it's, it's in every meeting. It's unreal. And so I think he does a great job of relying to his offensive coaches. Hey, here's where they're trying to attack you – in this formation, in this formation, in this personnel grouping, in this. And that's, I think that they just match up, I think, personnel-wise. And I think one of the big matchups is Fred Warner in the middle of the football field, the depth he can get, and the fact that he can get enough depth to take away the the deep in-cutting routes. And then you throw it underneath and he rallies up and makes a tackle that you think you're going to get six yards on or seven yards on for two yards. Like, that's, like, I think that's a big like a big plus matchup aspect of the Niners' defense. I, I get what you're saying earlier about how Shanahan really understands McVay, knows McVay, right? Mm-hmm. But shouldn't McVay be able to really understand and know Shanahan? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that there's probably part of that that is real. And I, you know, I mean, look at the last game; they were up seventeen nothing, and San Francisco came storming back and. And one thing I think about, I think about Shanahan that that separates him from McVay is Shanahan will try to win a game the way that best suits him winning a game for that matchup. 
McVay will try to win a game, but he still wants to win it partially the way he wants to win it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Shanahan. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Go back to the 2019, I think it was the NFC Championship, uh, or maybe it was a divisional game. I think it was a championship in San Francisco against Green Bay. Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times. Shanahan would love to run it 45 times. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't care if, you know, if he's, if he's not considered a whiz kid, he's calling a game. You know, you get into Sean McVay and sometimes, you know, sometimes you want to win the game throwing the ball. I think last week against Tampa, man, they got a big lead. They got they went away from what they did. They got overly conservative. I just think that there is that that little matchup there. Um and and personally, you know, I, I think this is a it's a great matchup. Psychologically speaking, and, and we as fans, media probably make a big deal of this. Let me ask you as a former player. Is San Francisco in the Rams' heads? At oh all? yeah, absolutely. Really? Okay. You know, when there's I was doubt. A- there's doubt there for the Rams, and there's a a lot of confidence when, for the 49ers. When I was in Washington, we had lost going into the '91 season six straight games against the Giants, six straight matchups. It was totally in the coaches' heads. I mean, they come out in the meetings like, "Hey, we haven't beat these guys," and you know, da da da, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, and we got to, you know, it's almost like here's why we've been losing, you know. <laughs> And so I don't think there's any question that that's, that gets in your head. And even in 91, when we swept the Giants, um, and we were a far better team than us, there was still that getting over the hump mm-hmm. part of that. Like, it was close, and then all of a sudden, we went on an 18-19 play drive for a touchdown, and all of a sudden, the floodgates opened. And then the next time we played them, Mike, blew them. That was in, in, in the Meadowlands. When we put that 18, 19 play drive, I broke my thumb in the middle of that drive. Um, I, I, I just, I, you know, you have these memories. You broke your thumb, but we put this drive together, exhausted, bam, punched it in. It was like in October. And then, you know, we ended up winning that game. It was great. The next time we played them in D.C., just blew their doors off. Because then it was like, oh, you know, it was like it was like the Wizard of Oz. You know, and then you just felt great, felt awesome. Well, this pick on the NFC Championship game is brought to you by the Lollipop Guild. Yes. And uh, the Rams are a three and a half point favorite. I am taking the Rams and I'm giving the points. Ooh, after everything you just said. I think the I think the Ram, I think this is their moment. I think the Rams pushed all their chips into the middle. They went with Matthew Stafford. Yeah. They have a more they they have one of the most talented teams on the defensive side of the ball. Now Kyle will do a great job of mitigating, you know, number ninety nine, uh, forty Von Miller of of you know he'll do a good job of mitigating those guys. Um, he'll make Jalen Ramsey play defense. I mean not just coverage. He's going to attack him in the run game. He'll attack him in the play action game. He knows Jalen Ramsey gets a little nosy. He'll know you'll get some double moves out there. You'll make some big plays on him. But I think ultimately the Rams are a better football team and have a much better quarterback. And I think, you know, they'll look at that last matchup where they were up 17 and they'll go, dude, we're better than them. And we, you know, pissed down our legs and that's not going to happen again. Well, since I'm trailing you in the 
postseason picks, like I trailed you by a lot, yeah. a big margin in the regular season. I need it. I need. I need a. I need to go opposite you on one of these games. So I'll take. I'll take the 49ers at least to to lose by a field goal. How that? I'll take okay. the three and a half. I'll All take right. the hook. I'll take the hook. You, I want the hook. You got the hook. I got man. the hook. You got the hook. All right, for everybody involved in the Sink of Truth podcast, we thank you so much for listening. For my guys over at Bet Rivers, Bet with a winner, Bet with Bet Rivers. Uh, download the app, check them out at betrivers.com. My guys at uh, my guys at uh, Dude Wipes, DudeProducts.com slash Stink15. Never ho- leave home without them. You get a 15% discount on all your Dude Wipe products. And then Stinking Good Green Chili. Make sure you uh, go to Stink Good Green Chili. Order a bunch for your uh, Super Bowl party. For everybody, for Mike, myself, for Millennial Ben, thank you so much for being a part of the Stinking Truth Podcast.